and welcome to Put a Cork in It, hosted by yours truly, Monica Toby, someone who has zero credibility in the podcast world, but is trying to make it big. This podcast is for talking about everything under the sun with my friends, relationships, eating, working out, and really anything else you can think of. Please come along for the adventure that will probably make you laugh and cringe the entire time. All right, everyone, welcome back. It's been a really... Honestly, a really growing two weeks, I think is the ad- adjective, yeah, that I would use. Um, in that I hope that you as well have used this time to just talk to the people around you and educate yourself. But also I will say I've really missed producing a podcast because it is so fun and I've missed talking to friends in this platform. And so I'm really excited to be back. I think it's feeling really fun to keep this thing going. I really didn't know if I would and I've just really enjoyed it. And so I know that I've teased over and over again about having my family on the podcast, which I promise will happen. And I'm not throwing that out there just to be annoying. But today we have someone very special on the podcast to talk about something really important. And he always tells me that's an honor to be asked to be on the podcast, but I think it's an honor to have him on the podcast. So today... We have Michael Teasley on the podcast. How are you feeling? I am super excited. Um, I was nervous and I was like, okay, I don't want to mess this up. Um, so I'm so excited that you asked. Actually, I asked to be on the podcast. Um, not necessarily for this episode, right? <laughs> but I, I was like, I when I saw that you were doing the podcast, I was like, oh, I would love to be on the podcast and then you were like oh for sure and I was like oh wow she didn't forget about little me <laughs> oh my gosh oh well for sure okay it's hard because I wish you guys all knew Michael but I would say that Michael and I are very similar in the amount of extroversion that we are made up of and so if anybody should be on a podcast it's literally you but anywho let me backtrack <laughs> and go back to a time of 18 19 year old Monica meeting Michael three summers ago now, we were just reminiscing, um, in Ocean City, New Jersey, total beach town, no one knew what was to happen this summer, um, and Michael and I were probably, I want to say kind of the most unlikely friends, because of how big our personalities are, I never thought that we would become really, really close, like I knew you were with other people on our trip, so this is a trip of 88-ish college students from all over the country. We're talking California, Illinois, Ohio, um, what am I missing? Arizona. So this is like not just your college. This is colleges from all over the country, students who are involved with crew. So we get there and it's just like, you never know who your friends are going to be. You have no idea. You're just looking at these people like, okay, who are going to be my lifelong friends? Because you hear all these stories about, oh, all my friends from Ocean City were in my wedding. And so you're like, oh, crap, how do you know who those people are going to be? So anyway, long story short, Michael was immediately intimidating. And I remember this time we played this game, which I would never encourage anyone to play, ever. This was two weeks into the summer mission, and we played this game called First Impressions. We sit around the, t- we sit around the room, and we all go around and say our first impressions of each other. And it literally started and stopped with Michael because so many people got offended. And it wasn't necessarily his fault. It was just not the time. So Michael gets to me and my friend Tara and my friend Macy and probably Phoebe. Shout out to all of you girls. Um, and he gets to us and goes, 
yeah, well, the first time I met you guys, I just saw you as just these high school girls who just, you know, just drama. And we all looked at each other and we're just immediately offended. Like, we're talking, I was at my peak immaturity probably at this point. So I'm just mortified that Michael would say that about me. Because at this point, he is totally the big guy on campus. Like, everyone knows Michael. Everyone, you were already very well known, I feel like. So... And I don't even know how that really happened other than the fact that I made it a competition with one of the staff that as people were coming in, I would learn everybody's name. I think that in itself... Do you remember? Do you remember? Like I, yes. when everybody was coming. I'm like, "Hi, my name is Michael. What is your name?" And trying to like yes. memorize the people's names. It was it was the most. I, I think I thought most. that you were on staff. Everybody thought that. I think I definitely everybody thought you were on staff. That. Okay, so that's a good reputation to have for sure. I feel like soon after I found out you were definitely not on staff with um some of your behaviors, you know, and the things that you would say. Lol. Beha- you were you you know what I mean. Okay, anyway. So that was three summers ago and I'm happy to say that Michael is still one of my closest friends and I feel like we talk about this all the time on this podcast, but he definitely fits into the category of people who I feel like I don't have to talk to every single day or call once a month. I probably only talk to you a few times a year, honestly. And I still feel like we just pick up every time where we left off and that is pretty dang special, honestly. And I love that about you and about our relationship. It's really dope. But anyway, um, in connection to that, I feel that Ocean City was the first year um, of my life, honestly, the first moment of my life that I started having friends who didn't look like me. So I always describe it to people as this was the most diverse friend group that I have ever had in terms of Um, I had an Asian friend, Phoebe. Um, I had you and Aaron representing the black community. Um, and also Tara being Armenian. And this was the first time that I really found myself being, I mean, sometimes we would hang out and I was the only white person. And I don't think I ever felt uncomfortable, but I think it took me a minute, one moment to be like, whoa, I just remember this one moment on summer mission feeling like, wow. I actually have friends that aren't white and all my friends in high school were always white. And this is really weird. And I feel like I'm actually connecting to these people and there's not anything awkward going on. And this is really cool. Like I just remember feeling really excited and I was just reminiscing with Michael about how this was the first time that I was called out for saying things that I think I thought that everyone could relate to that. I thought me as a white person, I was just speaking in general terms but I remember specifically you and Tara telling me, Mon, that stuff does not also resonate with everybody else. Like, that is mm. just a white person thing. And that was the first time that anybody had ever called me out on that because I had never had anybody to call me out on that because everybody else w- could agree because they were white. And so in that, Tara and Michael have definitely been go-to people for me. Um, to ask the hard questions about race and everything and to check me on what I say Um, and have taught me a lot through their friendship that I don't think you guys even know how much you've taught me just being my friend Um, it didn't even have to be a formal conversation to learn a lot from you guys so all that to say when everything came out with the whole George Floyd events I immediately wanted to talk to you about it and you specifically 
because I knew that you would be just as passionate about wanting to talk about it um, and that you would be excited to do that and it wouldn't be a burden. Um, and so that feels really exciting. And also I just respect you a lot in the way that you um, live your life and how you are so proud of who you are and are so confident in who you are and the way that that relates to um, what you look like as well. Like you are just such a, this is who I am. This is what you get and be good with it because I'm not going to apologize for who I am. And so all this to say, I really just wanted to pick Michael's brain about um, what I can do as a white person, um, his emotions around this whole thing and whatever wisdom that you feel like you've learned or feel like you want to share. So that's like the biggest intro to Michael ever. <laughs> wow. I'm literally like, is she talking about me? I, so, um, I guess, do you take like PayPal or Venmo, um, yeah. for the intro? Because I feel like I need to pay you for that. Yeah. Um, you can just play that for every new person you meet and I'll just take a little cut of it every time you make a new friend. Royalties. Great. 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 Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Oh my gosh. You're ridiculous. Like my first day, um, of teaching each year, I'll just play that for my students. Oh my gosh. If I was your student, I would immediately be like, so into you. Oh my gosh. Yeah yeah oh my gosh also michael is a teacher which is i wish that he would have taught me in high school that's all i'm gonna say high school math right you know it you know it so what subjects like what are you actually teaching are you doing geo or are you doing like algebra two or what integrative so we do oh. algebra one geometry algebra two and stats holy crap I know, but you don't do pre-calc do you no okay that's the one thing i didn't take in high school couldn't do it Many of my kids can't do this. I've had conversations with kids who are a sophomore, and we literally spent two minutes on whether nine divided by nine was zero, one, or nine. So, yeah, that's the kind of world we're living in. Wow. Um, so talk <laughs> about humbling yourself. Holy Tell me about crap. it, yeah. Yeah, so Michael's learned a lot of patience over this last year, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Definitely grown in that area. Definitely grown. <laughs> For sure. But I love my job. Oh, my goodness. I know. Just You're... to see the heart. And, um, and even with what we're talking about on this podcast, like, I, I, I believe my heart for others have grown um, tremendously because of the role that I'm in. And it allows me to have a lens that um, is not self-seeking. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of um, I can use that platform of teaching um, that informs my other relationships uh, in my life about just and even with my walk with the Lord, there's been so many times where I have been humbled and I've been like so frustrated with my kids and the Holy Spirit will just be like tap me on the shoulder. It's like, oh, really? OK, because that's you, boo boo. Um, and so, yeah, I have just really tremendously um, have. Um, I'm just so grateful for the Lord that he would use um, teaching in that way uh, in my life and in my maturity. Oh, my um, gosh. Yes and yes. I totally experienced that in just one semester working with kids. Learned so much. Yep. Okay, I guess to get right into everything, I think my first question is um, whatever. I want to say two weeks ago t on a Wednesday or Tuesday, but... Whenever everything started coming out about what happened with George Floyd and the officer, I want to know, like, 
were you shocked? Were you like, oh, of course this would happen? Or like, mm. did you sense that this was going to be a big deal and that this was kind of the start of something really big in terms of what people would be talking about? Or did you think this was just going to be another, you know, white cop shooting a black person and it would rotate through the news and then be done? I would just love to know kind of what you thought was going to happen after that all happened. That's a great question. Um, when I initially saw the video, um, as many of you who have seen the video, it's quite appalling. Um, and you can't, I can't quite fathom a reason why um, that would, you know, take place. So yeah. what, what got me really was the fact that the man was unconscious for two minutes and the officer office Chauvin still had his knee on his neck. Right. And was so on the thing that really got me was the fact that his face showed just such a level of unbotheredness about people who are filming the other officers. It was just like another calm. This is another day in Minneapolis. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm shook. How could you have a man unconscious people saying, can you check to make sure he's alive? Right. He's like, you know, Okay, thank you yeah. for your consideration. Was, I, I was just, I'm, I don't know. I don't get that. It was almost as if he had headphones in and could not, like, hear what anyone was saying. And it was so bizarre. And, like, regardless of race, like, if anybody was on the ground for two minutes unconscious, like, what the heck? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just odd. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. And I, I'll, so, yes, it does not matter um, what race George Floyd was, um, in regards to the dehumanization, um, of an individual, but it's nonetheless important as the fact that he was black. Right. Adds a whole different thing. Whole different thing. And this wasn't just a one shot event. Um, even within the past couple of weeks before May 25th, um, there was like Breonna Taylor and a weeks before that, uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Right. Right. Um, and then to throw in the little mix of Christian Cooper at the park. Um, there's right. just so many things that happened within a certain short period of time that here's the thing though. Here's the thing. It, it's not just about the media coverage of said events because if we are willing to listen and grow, this experience for many um, people in the black community is on a daily basis, not maybe to the extent of death, right. but at the same time, the as what, what happened with Christian uh, Cooper, um, right. the fact that the woman could weaponize the fact that he was black and called the police is a statement to say that there is a underlying issue that is calling for reconciliation. Oh, yeah. And like, I think that whole thing with the dog leash in the park is, I can't even fathom someone being able to take something about my appearance and my history and use that as a way to make me be a suspect in something that has no business being that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even fathom that. And I listened to a video of a man sharing that in that moment, he listened to the phone call or something and you could tell the way that she went from kind of even keeled to then immediately making it more dramatic. 
and mm-hmm. immediately throwing in that he was black. And it's like, that is not even, I can't even understand that, that that's how someone's mind could work. Yeah. But I mean, if we were honest with ourselves, even myself as a biracial man, who's um, half black, half white, um, I would say that in many ways I have biases and certain um, dispositions um, that are, are racist. Totally. Um, and, and stereotypes that I put people in, whether it's um, implicit or whether it's explicit, right? And so I, th- I think that before we... Sometimes, I'll say like this, sometimes labels aren't helpful. Yeah. Because um, when we call someone a racist it isolates them in a way that says that there is a certain person that you have to be yeah in order to perpetuate or for in order for you to have certain biases that are racist but could it not be possible that while you might not be socially labeled as a racist that you deal with certain thought patterns um, or certain inclinations yeah. that are racist. Totally. And I think that's probably why I never thought about it until college because I knew I wasn't a racist because I had a whole image of who that person was. Right. I'm thinking like, oh, the only people who are really racist are like the KKK, right? So like, I'm not that. But it's like no one ever told me to really address the biases that I had or the stereotypes that I had and how that was a part of it. Because I just thought it was two extreme different things. I never thought that it could be a mixture of different things. Totally, right? Um, And even in um, some set conversations like I've had with with family members that um, that are white, um, and just comments that they've made, um, especially my grandmother, <laughs> um, <laughs> even though I wouldn't say she's racist, she's definitely had said some things that caused some red flags. Yes. Um, that are generalizations in ways that, you know, she processes things. Hmm. Um, but of course, right. She's not racist. She has a black grandchild whom she loves, but could it not be possible that there's ways in which we process life that to be quite honest and to, to bring, um, I'll say like this to hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Like just sin patterns that it's just why, why do some people feel as if, well, you know what? That is, I I'm immune to that, that sin. I don't, I don't struggle with that. Hmm. Um, could it not be possible to to ask the Lord, hey, d- d- am I, is there any ways in me um, that causes me not to see another individual as your the bearer of your image? Yeah. I mean, that's where, what, where it comes down to. Like, um, even if it's something small, um, where, for example, um, uh, there can be, 
systems in which perpetuate lies. For example, and I'm going to bring it up something personal. So I'm a teacher and in my classroom, um, the repeaters that I have, all but one of them out of all of my periods um, that are repeating the class are students of color. Wow. When you look at the population of my students, I only have a little less than a quarter of students of color in my classroom. Wow. So, so they make the majority of the students that are repeating the class so while we don't talk about race in the classroom, we're talking about in general, like my curriculum in and of itself. Absolutely. Is there not a message that says that whether you want to address it um, or not, that students of color are less smart or they have more struggle? There, there is a, a message there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fact that we can have, I think, just as a society, jokes about um, about race, I think, lends itself to a to a problem, yeah. right? That there should be some level of of reconciliation. And so, like, what does that look like when um, when I get to have conversations uh, about this? And I think that that in and of itself is a um, for me, I think a privilege, like I get to have conversations about this and it's not necessarily forced, um, because of certain life experiences. So I think in yeah. many ways, I myself am privileged because I have not been, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for Obligated? subject to, okay. um, or, uh, or, uh, yeah, sure. So, or subject to, to racism at a level, which, I have to now talk about it. Like it's something that I get to enter into in many ways that I think a lot of, if I'm going to be honest, um, a lot of other black people, um, especially in certain areas of the nation, they don't have that choice to talk about race. Right. Yep. So, and, and just in, out of curiosity, um, I mean, I know it's your podcast, but I have a question <laughs> for, for you. Um, but I was just thinking, when you talk about race, do you only talk about it when you're in groups with people who are um, people of color? Hmm. Or do you have you ever talked about race in the midst of your... Um, people that look like you whether it's family or friends yeah that's a really good question I don't think that I actually had real conversations about race until I came to college and all of my education classes were about the disparity in schools um with mostly kids who are black um and then my whole chunk of classes my junior year was about social justice and we were in um, inner city Cincinnati schools teaching. So I, I mean, literally all of my conversations, my junior year, when I entered the education building at Miami were about race all the time. But I can honestly say that I have only had a few conversations with my friend Anna about race and she is white, but never in a group setting, never in like a social non-academic structured environment. Mm -hmm. Have I ever talked about it? other than maybe with you guys in Ocean City. But, like, 
no, never in a group of my white friends would that ever get brought up. Yeah. And I think that, like, when I look at, and I think it's a privilege, and I get to be half white and half black. So on my black side, it's not something that they get to choose. Oh, let's talk about me being black in America. It's something that's very present. Yeah. Right? On my white side, that's not the case. Right? They, I've never had a conversation with my white um, family that said, you know, let's talk about what it means to be white in America. Yeah. Right? That there is okay. a way in which African American, um, and not just African American um, or, or black people, uh, but people of color, there are ways in which they don't necessarily get to choose whether or not they talk about race. Yes. Okay. Now I'm seeing your question more. Okay. Yeah. And we never talk about being white in groups and we talked about white privilege. I probably talked about white privilege for the first time my freshman year of college. I had no idea what that was and probably had to be convinced that it was legit for a whole year. Same. Me too. And I'm coming and I, I think what's really important and that I would love for people to hear is that even if you don't agree with many people um, about racial um, injustice, systematic racism, or right privilege, um, I, I hope and I pray that it doesn't hinder us from listening to the pain that people have because of their skin color. Like, if I'm coming to you, even if you don't agree with um, certain systematic things or overall things, if you care about me, would you not want to listen to my pain? Hmm. And I feel like so many people, and it's easy on social media to do this, yes. to write off somebody's um, pain and trauma um, because you don't agree with them. And something that I've heard that was so convicting to me um, is uh, our youth pastor um, at my church, Mission Church, shout out Mission Church, um, <laughs> in, uh, in the Bay Area here, is he says, would you rather be willing to be more right than helpful? Wow. <laughs> so when it comes to talking about race, we're not just talking about it um, as if it doesn't affect individual people like we are talking about people here right right and so um i even if you don't agree could we not listen with a heart of saying that i have compassion and care for you and i want to love you right you don't have to agree in order to um to enter in with me yes 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 and yes and i think that is the exact whole concept that makes it really hard when I talk to people that say, well, I'm just staying out of it. It's not for my concern. Like, and I'm just sitting there like, it doesn't mean that you have to take a political stance or post something with a specific hashtag. No one's asking you to do that. But right. the part that for me is so hard is like, but you're acting like it doesn't matter that people are coming out with all these testimonies of systematic or personal racism that they have experienced. And it's like, how, how do you stay neutral in that? I think that is almost, I'm impressed that people can stay neutral 
with what's going on. Because you're right, it's people's lives. It's not just this statistic. It's a real right. life in front we're of not, you. We're not arguing what is the best, you know, restaurant to go to. Right. right? I mean, this is, I mean, people's lives are at stake. The, not just quality of living, um, but actual lives. If they are claiming... If a certain population, and I'm and I'm not talking about one or two or three or four or five or six um, people or 500 people or 1,000 people or 100,000 people. I'm talking about millions of people in this country who are black, even though, so the population of the U.S. is about 300 million. Um, and um, the black population, the black community makes up about 13% okay. um, of the United States. That is millions of people. So millions of people have this experience. How could we not address it? How? That I that is what confuses me. Yeah, and I think a lot and not this is not the answer, because I don't even know how you begin to answer that question, obviously. We would be here for about four hours. All right, everyone, buckle up. Here we go. We're going to answer it. Um, But I think a lot of it, at least coming from me and talking to other people who are like me in my community, Mm -hmm. it just makes you so dang uncomfortable and you're so afraid to say the wrong thing and offend someone that you're like, might as well ignore it. Might as well just act like it's not real because I can do that. I can pretend like it's not real. Like, I literally was FaceTiming Michael and showing him my neighborhood. Like, I don't know a single black person in my neighborhood, period. So it's like, I can easily not address it and ignore it and pretend like it doesn't matter or isn't going on. And I think that's a huge part of the problem is because people legitimately can turn this off. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Black people in America can't turn it off. (laughs) Right. They can't turn it off. So um, that in itself, I think, is an inkling of privilege. There, oh, right? The yeah. fact that there is a spot where if you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to you don't have to deal with it. No. And so it's like um, it's convicting in a way um, because it's like, am I willing to. If I am I willing to take my comfortability and raise it to the value higher than s- reconciliation with my brother or sister, right? Like, like people in my community who, who are hurting, hmm. that are, are in pain. And so, like, why, why should we allow us being uncomfortable to not start a conversation? Yep. Or be willing to um, to make an error when we say when we say things because we we just don't know we just don't know right oh yeah um, I mean I, I think about like when we're, we're talking about relationships right relationships between human beings so um, if you are you like this guy mom okay, okay? Um, I'm so interested to know where you this feel is going. like <laughs> you feel like this person is so out of your league okay right? which is normally how I feel so good. Right. Um, I mean, like, wait, like, you just, like, there's We're talking no crazy. Way. Okay, okay. I mean, we're talking crazy. Like, awesome. Like, think about your favorite TikToker. 
that you do not over. put me at that level. I do not have a favorite TikToker, but I will I will let others relate to that. Okay, keep going. Others relate to that. Okay. Anyways, um, and so you kind of have a inkling that like maybe they're you know interested in you, okay, right? or like maybe you just meet them or what have you. Um, but they've been like looking at you and staring at you, kind of giving you a little bit of feel. Maybe there's something there, right? Okay, I'm getting a vibe. Um, right, you're getting the vibe. Um, even though you would be uncomfortable, right? And even though you might not know what to say, if your friends are like hyping you up a little bit, um, or what have yes. you, like, you should definitely go do that. Please go do that. Why do you then, with this person you do not know, you have no investment in. You may never see them ever again. Right. Go up and talk to them. And fill out fill out the conversation. Even though you don't know what you're going to say. And you are very uncomfortable. Why would someone go do that? Oh my gosh. I don't know, because you, like, read the signs, like, you saw the signals, and you're like, maybe this is a good idea. Well, what if it's somebody you really didn't like, and you were, like, you're, you're kind of appalled by this person, and we're giving you signs? You wouldn't, you wouldn't go do it then. No. So why would you do it with this individual? Okay, knowing myself, I'd probably just listen to the people that are talking to me and be like, okay, I feel kind of peer pressured, maybe I should. But see, you wouldn't do it unless you valued being in a certain type of relationship with them. Oh, yeah. It's so true. It would come down to me being like, is this actually worth it for myself? Right. Well, yes, you have. There's a certain level of like of feelings, right? That yeah. you would have to have in order for that to happen. Well, in the same way with um, conversations that we're having about race on a so much higher scale why aren't we willing to have conversations that we are uncomfortable in hmm. and um, may not know what to say because of the fact that we are relationally invested and for me to care about you, um, because I care about how I feel about you, I want to have a certain relationship that hmm. is going to cause me to move past my, my uncomfortability and move past my ignorance, so to speak, because I care for you right. on a so much deeper level than you would with someone who you have a three minute crush with. Right. right. But yet we're moved, we're moved like with that to move past our uncomfortability, yeah. to move past our ignorance. But how come even with people that you're emotionally invested in, um, in your, whether it's your friend group or what have you to have conversations like these that are important, that, that show care and show understanding isn't the relationship worth that? Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And I just feel like the problem is that people don't even let themselves get there. Like there's just yeah. so many things that you convince yourself of, specifically speaking as a white female of 22 years old, um, that you're just like, oh, I'm just going to talk myself out of that. And... I think something for me that's been really convicting that popped in as you were saying that whole thing, which was amazing. Love the analogy. That was honestly really helpful. I was kind of scared because I was like in the middle of my analogy. was like, 
Wait, I just thought to put on the spot. Where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? But, no, yeah. well, you didn't so come off that, that way at all. <laughs> hopefully that made sense because that was literally on the spot. No, I um, really enjoyed that. Um, I just feel like, uh, I don't know. It just feels like people, and me included, struggle to see, and obviously I'm talking to Christians here um, specifically, but like there is no cap on or no like limit on the amount of people you're supposed to love, the type of people you're supposed to love, no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like we're talking like, we're also talking like sexual orientations here. We're not even just talking like race. Right. It doesn't matter. You're still supposed to love people. And I think that's what's been hard for me and beginning me angry is that people are letting certain things block them. Um, before like just like setting all these boundaries and it's like okay you're never gonna even have an opportunity to love that person and you're not even gonna try because there's so many political boundaries you're putting before it and you're just talking yourself out of it because you're afraid and there's a big fear component as well and I just feel like every time I've stepped out in boldness to try to love someone well that is different than me or to ask a question that feels scary I've never been met with meanness or rudeness Mm. or disappointment never and I'm not saying that's gonna be everyone's experience but like I've said some really ignorant things and asked some really ignorant questions but I feel like people like you and Tara have always seen my heart and really just wanting to understand and you know what makes the difference there because genuineness breeds grace yes it's so much easier to give person grace when they're coming with a posture that is genuine and honest, hmm. right? There's no agenda. You, when you've come, there, there was no agenda. There was a willingness to learn. There was a willingness to be like, yeah, I don't know. Could, could you help me, right? Um, and so even that's what I say, like, as a teacher, like, there's yes. so many times where how could I not help someone who is coming coming to me after school on their own time for help, right? I might be busy. I might be like, I explained this 1,500 times in <laughs> class. Um, you didn't do any of the homework. Like, they should be feeling probably a lot of shame. But they made the effort to come and ask me for help. In that moment, I'm not going to be like, well, I mean, some teachers are. But in that <laughs> moment, for me, I've learned that because I care about them, I'm going to help them because they came with a posture mm. of of really wanting to learn. Yeah. Right? Despite their past mess-ups or failures, right? Um, and anyways, can, is, can we not be okay with being a little messy? Right. Is that okay? That's That's what I feel like is a huge other big question. Is like, where is this notion coming from that... God forbid you say the wrong thing, but you didn't mean it. And you just talk that through. Like what, what is the huge factor of like that not being okay and just so wrong? Like, what is that? I don't know. And it's obviously definitely a society thing. Cause you know, what's really funny is that you can be silent and still be wrong. Right. <laughs> right. right? Like, like making it saying the wrong thing is that doesn't make you wrong 
like you were still wrong with silent because you still like that was your thought process or what have you it just now other people can see it right so like if your worry is i don't want to be wrong well you're currently wrong now if there is something that you're going to say right because we're all a learning process um in this learning process of being human beings right in living life so making saying something doesn't make me wrong i'm already wrong if if that is going to happen right Right. I'm not sure if I'm making, if, if this is making sense, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. No, I'm picking it um, up. But like, like, so if you're afraid to be wrong, honey boo boo, you're already wrong. Right. And if you just sit in that, you're never going to find out what the right answer even is. You're just going to keep yeah. thinking that you're right. And oh my gosh, maybe that's why we have such a f- freaking huge problem right now. It's because no one's vocalizing their questions and just being like, well, I guess I'll just assume I'm right. It's like, no, bruh, you're probably really wrong. Like really wrong. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. And this is why it's so important to, to have conversations like these with people that you're emotionally, intellectually and relationally invested in, not just strangers. Right. Because when there's a level of, there's a level of safety there, mm-hmm. right. There's a level of care. Um, now, if you don't have any friends of color that, you know, you can listen to to get a different perspective, maybe try to find a white woke friend. I don't know. <laughs> but, right. uh, but like, <laughs> I mean, there, is a, there, is, there is a level in which um, it is really important to have these conversations. I think they start at home, not necessarily somewhere else. I right. mean, that's where a big difference happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they're like, I feel like so many people feel like they can't make a difference because their sphere of influence feels so small. Yes. But what I know is that conversations shape and mold ideas. And ideas shape and mold beliefs and beliefs shape and mold actions. So yes. the converse, the small conversations, don't despise them. Don't look down on them. Those are the conversations that put together if there's not just one and done because this will never just be one and done but if a, a long stream of conversations help and shape how people vote in this country absolutely right and so yes you have, i mean i know this clown's kind of cliche but you have the power oh yeah and like your voice does matter and that's another cliche uh, but it's true and I've even experienced that with my family of just having conversations felt really insignificant. But now we talk about it all the time and we're comfortable talking about it and we want to talk about it. And not to say you have to get to this comfortable part, but it's so cool to feel comfortable talking to my white family about this stuff that we never used to talk about. And it's not because I don't think anybody didn't want to necessarily, but it was just never put out there no one was willing to take the first step and be like hey do you guys want to talk about something that's really hard to talk about like no one was really willing to make that first step um that's so good my white family every time this comes up it's not does not end well even with my conversations with my mother who married a black man (laughs) and has a black son the last conversation we had about race ended up in tears and she hung up on me (laughs) so don't i hope Mom, I hope you never listen to this. She's not going to um, but, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, I, it, yeah, so. Okay, this might be a loaded question. And don't feel like you have to give a long-winded answer to it. But do you think that your grandma and your mom specifically, from me listening to you share certain things, do you think they're like, 
oh, Michael just doesn't count as, like, someone who fits into all these beliefs and stereotypes that I'm thinking. Like, he's the exception to the rule. Or, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, totally. do they just kind of give you this exception, this hall pass of some kind? I don't know. I think maybe in the back of their mind, yeah. Um, because they feel as if I haven't shared any particular experiences or because they feel like they know me, um, the struggles of being black. Like, I I feel like my grandmother, to be quite honest with you, she might say that like, oh, do you have a black grandchild? Yes. But does she, does she see me as black? Probably not. Yeah. And I mean, this leads into a whole nother issue that I'm so passionate about is that we don't have to be colorblind in order for there to be racial reconciliation. Yep. Nor should we be colorblind. Right. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the most important part. And that's what my that's what me and my mom got an argument over. She was like, I'm just so blessed because I just don't see color. And what? Why is that? a? that's not a blessing. That's (laughs) (laughs) your your I don't get out that that could be a blessing. I mean, sure. What what she meant to say was that I'm not I'm not judging people based on their skin color. Right. But. Why do we have to, in order for me not to judge someone based on their skin color, why do I have to wipe that clean? Because the funny thing is, you never say that to a white person. Absolutely not. You always not. say that to people of color. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> it'd be kind of weird to be like, Monica, I just don't see your color. I just don't see that you're white or their lack of color. Um, yeah. I just see you as a person. I mean, three years ago, I probably would have said, yeah, you're right. I don't have a color. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> this is what it is. Like, I would not have even been able to recognize that. Oh, that so, is a really like, good point. Like my, and one thing that like really hit me is like the power of the, um, the unifying power of the gospel is not in spite of our ethnic uniquenesses. It's because of our ethnic uniquenesses. Yeah. So my, my racial makeup, my ethnicity shouldn't be an image barrier for you to see me as an image bearer, right? You shouldn't have to totally remove that in order to see me like God sees me. Oh my gosh, guys, this is like crazy. Yes, and I don't know why that this is such a hard thing for the church, and I mean capital C here, of God's people. Like, in the Bible, it literally says all nations, all tribes, all tongues, etc., etc. So Revelation 7, just in case anybody was like, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. There's your reference. Thank you, Michael. Um, but yes, like, it's no shock here. Like, it's not like, oh, what? whoa, we're supposed to love black people like Jesus does? I'm shocked. Like, or whatever. Insert whatever race you want to in that statement. Like, right. no. This has been the the thing forever. This is what God has been doing forever. This is what Jesus has been doing forever. And it's not worth it to dwell on that and to be like, we're horrible. We suck. Let's all just put ourselves down for years and years and years to, like, make things even. Because that would not even make things even. But 
it's like, no, how about we look at this and be like, okay, let's jump in. Let's just get going. Let's not dwell on what we did wrong for too long that we miss out on what we can do now. Because mm. I think that's something I also worry about is people just oh. letting themselves feel so guilty for so long. And I mean, I definitely resonate with that totally. I mean, there have been moments, especially in these past two weeks, where it's just been really hard not to feel just super shameful for being white and just being like, oh, I hate this. So, but you can't stay in that place because then you're just like not helping anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, as someone who is also part white, I have like so many times I'm like, I'm not black enough to actually identify with the certain struggles of being black. Sure. And, and so I'm, there's been many times where I feel like I am, I'm ashamed to say that I'm white uh, in many ways, um, especially around people who are not white. Mm-hmm. Um, because for many of my life experiences, like especially in high school, um, I wasn't black enough to be a part of the black group, but with my white friends, I definitely was, oh, that's black Michael. <laughs> right? oh so, um, and I was the black friend, like everybody, the token every black person, friend. I have a black fr- I was it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that played out in many ways that if like, oh, we're just being stereotypical. No, that's exactly how it played out many a times. Um, but, but that's probably really true. I remember thinking about that of the very few, um, biracial students that I went to high school with. I, I honestly do remember having that thought of where do they really fit in? Like, cause that would feel really difficult, but you know, me, my high school self, I'm not dwelling on that for more than five seconds. And then I'm off to like, Ooh, what boy likes me and got the cheer Got the cheer competition tonight, so we got more to focus on, more important things. Totally. Um, but, yeah. Oh, my gosh, Michael. I mean, that's – you kind of answered my question before I even got to answer it of that whole thing of your life. Like, that is literally you. That is your life that you have that debacle <laughs> to – to Debacle. I don't know. That's just what came to mind. Um, yeah. That's a really good explanation of that for sure. Wow. Okay, guys, literally, I looked at my phone to see how long we had been talking. And it said, it said 10 minutes last time I checked. And now we're at 50 minutes. And I have no idea how that happened. This is what I'm saying, you guys, talking to Michael is literally like putting yourself in a, like, tunnel vision. And you're like, okay. No, um, it is definitely... Not that this is a bad thing, but it's definitely you. Like, I think that combination of the fact that I really do like um, talking to people. I'm an extrovert, and I've lo- had little of that given the certain pandemic climate that we've oh, been in. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you're just so easy to talk to, Mon. I mean, oh seriously. Oh, my gosh, like, me. It just... <laughs> I can't stand you. Um, but, no, seriously. Like, it just... it's It feels like a real conversation every single time like we are in person um and we're not and we don't like you said we don't speak more than a couple times a year but it just feels as if like yeah we just pick up right where we left off so gosh i'm gonna get emotional guys 
Jeez. Wait, it starts bawling on the podcast. It's so embarrassing. Um, okay, well, can I just say... Have you ever thought about crying before on the podcast? No. I hope I, that Check never happens. Wins. Wait, no, that's a good thing. I feel like it was a good thing. Okay, like, yeah. you know, you're really into it. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, showing emotion is okay. It's good to remember. Um, <laughs> as Michael said a few moments ago, the conversation is never over. So... Obviously, I think I could talk to you about this for probably 400 million years and probably never run out of new things to talk about, um, which is sad and beautiful and wonderful all at the same time. Um, but I just want to say I'm so thankful for your openness and your honesty. And it is so evident that God has made you very eloquent in the way you speak and the way you relate to people. Like... The way that we were able to talk about something so deep and just like a very deep wound in a lot of people's lives, but then also be laughing about something else in the midst is just kind of my favorite thing specifically to do with you. So it just was very fun for me and also very um, educational. And also I'm going to throw out, um, obviously I'll put Michael's handle when I post this on the gram, but... I think I'm speaking for you right now, but I think Michael would love to talk to anybody about some questions or totally. <laughs> or if something got said that you feel like you'd like more clarification or you disagree or yes. whatever. I think Michael would love that. And also, please, friends, please feel free to contact me if I have said something that you feel like need some more clarification or you want to tell me I said something incorrectly I would love to learn and grow in that as well um but to end us out on a high note Michael I think this is what I'm going to be asking people from now on which I'm really excited about you're the first person I'm trying it out on <laughs> ready so okay this is my question what is something in your life that you have been loving lately so this could be literally a new food you bought from the grocery store, a book, anything, a friend, a new habit. What is something that you feel like you've been loving lately? So maybe this is something you developed in the last month or two. Oh, God. <laughs> um, this is this the question. most stressed that he's been the entire podcast, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Because I want to come up with a good answer that's like, people are like, oh, wow, yeah, like they can relate to or so. I don't know. I feel like I need to come up with a response. No. Um, okay, but so something that I have like loved, right, that I've come to love. Okay, um, yeah. Recently. No, I'm asking. That, that's, that's oh, question. oh, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me, give okay. me, yeah. This will set the bar really bit. low. Okay. So lately I've been loving making myself a smoothie bowl in the morning. And here's the recipe, everyone. One frozen banana, one heaping cup of frozen fruit, and heaping cup just means very large. And then you blend it up and it's the perfect consistency. Then you put like a spoonful of peanut butter on the top with a little bit of granola. And uh, I'm not choking up. I just got something stuck in my throat, but I could choke up because it's so amazing. So that's what I've been loving lately, my own smoothie bowls. What about you? I love that. Okay, so that did give that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that did give me a good idea. Okay, perfect. So recently, um, 
the best things come out of problem solving. So I really wanted a Colt LaCroix. Um, I am a LaCroix fanatic. <laughs> Key lime, the best flavor. Just shout out to LaCroix. Okay, respect. Um, and I wanted a cold LaCroix, but I didn't put any in the refrigerator because um, I'm lazy. But I really wanted something cold. I didn't. I don't have ice. So I was like, how can I get this cold without waiting? Because I'm also impatient. I have frozen fruit in the freezer. No. Pour the frozen fruit and then pour in the LaCroix. Oh, my goodness. Talk about refreshing. <laughs> so bomb. Period. Okay, wait, but so what good. type of then, fruit? Oh, so the best one. Okay. Uh, best combination is blueberry, strawberry, and mango. Oh, I was not expecting the mango. My God. That was, that's the silent but deadly. Nobody ever expects it, but it was so good. <laughs> All right, don't Goodness. sleep on the mango, you guys. Do not sleep. <laughs> okay wait this kind of feels like a mocktail like i feel like this is almost a, a signature drink just minus oh. any alcohol you know what i'm saying yeah wow. also try maybe this is going to be an unpopular opinion but that's okay okay try blue moon with lacroix bomb too so oh you want to spike it a little bit that feels um, kind of scary um, but for our listeners who are 21 and over, please feel free to try this, <laughs> this Michael Teasley original. <laughs> yes. Please let me know how it tastes. And I used the key lime with the, um, blue moon, by the Ew, way. Ew, so. that sounds so not good. But <laughs> Amazing. I, but so I'm... don't knock it till you try it. Okay, uh, yeah, you're see, right. This is about growth. This whole conversation was about growth, right? Okay. <laughs> so yes, you're right. You're right. So how about this? You pay for my flight out to California to see you. and then On the teacher salary? Yeah, and then I'll buy us the materials for these drinks. So it'll even out. What do you, okay. what do you think I'm working with? I'm working with a ministry salary. Okay, you know what? We're going <laughs> to have this fight not over the podcast. Um, Michael, it has been an absolute treat to have you. I'm so glad it finally happened. I feel like this is your lifelong okay. dream being... Truly, honestly, I was so excited and so honored. Um, I'm over the moon, really. Okay, wow, blue thankful. Moon. Oh, oh my gosh, enough with the references to the blue moon. Okay, um, guys, I'm really excited for you to hear this. Um, I really hope you learned something. I really hope you enjoyed it. And I'm really excited for what is next. So, yeah, we'll catch you later next week. There's a lot to do.